This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20, reading from King James Version of Scripture, reading from King James. And if you have an old-fashioned Bible like mine, an actual hard copy or, or leather-bound copy of the Bible, oftentimes you'll see a heading, a heading over a portion of Scripture. And then even in your smart device, oftentimes there'll be a bold-typed heading. You're going to know this as the Great Commission. Everyone say those words, the Great Commission. That's our subtopic today, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, underline that, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, a few things to underline. The word go, go and teach, underline teach, go, teach, baptizing them, underline that, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And now our final portion to underline, and lo, I am with you, I am with you always even unto the end of the world, amen. So today I want us to just set everything up with this this PowerPoint right here. This is your walk away. Jesus has always been, he still is today, and he will forever will be. He will always be passionate about people. Now, if, you've, if you haven't lifted up your voice and used any volume today, I want you to do it now. I want you to say the word people with me on three. One, two, three. People. It matters to God. People matter to God. And guess what? They need to matter to you. If you want to be focused on what God's focused on, then get focused on people. Why? Because it's only people that are going to be in heaven. Our retirement counts aren't going to heaven. My golf clubs aren't going to heaven. Boy, I'm going to try to sneak them in. I'm telling you, I'm going to smuggle them in. Somehow I'm going to have a putter down this pant leg and a driver in my back. Somehow. But they're not going to heaven. Fishing poles aren't going to heaven. Your nice handbags aren't going to heaven, fellas, (laughs) ladies. People are going to heaven. So we better be focused on people because they matter. The Great Commission starts off with this sound, biblically sound, truthful statement. Jesus says, all power belongs to me. All power belongs to me. All power in heaven and earth, they belong to me. To me. And if you and I think that we can fulfill this commandment of loving people based on our own abilities and our own strengths and our own intellect and our own love and our own passion for people, you're crazy. Because you and I are just alike. One thing we all have in common is none of us are Jesus. We're human 
beings that are loved by Jesus, but we are sinful humans that must, we must require on something greater than our own abilities to fulfill the great commission. We need a good dose of his power, his abilities, his attributes, his strength in our lives if we're going to Partner with him in loving other people. In other words, how many of you are married to somebody that you love, but you don't like them every day? At least one person raised their hand, and that's going to be a really weird lunch for you and your spouse. All of us, we're just smart enough to go, he's telling the truth, but I'm not going to admit it. Most of us love each other, but sometimes we don't like each other. We love our kids, but we want to beat them. We love our bosses, but we don't. We love our employees, but not all the time. We're humanity. But Jesus has an unconditional love for every single one of us. And he's saying, if you're going to love people the way I love people, then you're going to have to get a little bit more of me in you to offset who you are. People doesn't, listen to me, people don't need to see more of Tommy. They need to see Jesus in Tommy. Because if you just see Tommy, all you see is six foot two abs of steel. That's all. And I didn't think it was that funny. Repent, I say unto thee. People need to see Jesus in Tommy. And they don't need to see Richard. They don't need to see Susie. People need to see Jesus in Richard and Susie. Because guess what? If, 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 if I'm looking... To find a better life, I don't need to look at you because your life is no better than mine. But if I see Jesus in you, now I realize what our poor, pitiful, pathetic lives can become because he changes everything for the good. Are y'all following me this morning? So he says, I've got all this power in heaven and earth, and I need you to have some of that if you're going to go teach and baptize and change the world, then you're going to have to have some, you're going to have to have a lot more of me than what you have right now. And, and, and it's really interesting. We find this happening in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, if you want to go over there. Acts chapter 1, we see this, this beautiful uh, story kind of take off. And you got to remember, when you hear the word people in this sermon, I want you to think about this, this entity called the church. Everyone say the church. Now, when I say people, you think church. <laughs> when I say I don't know why that just came out. When I say people, that is so bad. But I, it registered well with me. When I say the word people, I want you to think church. But this is the big stretch. You can't think about your grandmother's church. You can't think about this local church. You can't think about the, the, the five churches you grew up attending as a kid. You can't think about the church you used to go to in California. No, I want you to think about the church of the living God that all of those churches are covered under. So just, just this um, Friday night, I had a little 24-hour trip over to Michigan to be with a friend that's failing in his health and Really not sure how the outcome of that's all going to go. So I chose to just make a real quick run to Michigan and be with my friend. And when I came home, uh, we had one of my daughters off to a sleepover. And we had one of my daughters off to a student ministry event. So me and this 
hot Latina went to dinner. It's my wife. And Denora and I went to dinner, and I ended up bumping into uh, my friend, pastor of First Baptist here in Burleson. We were in the same restaurant, and we got the small talk. And what's really, really cool is uh, Pastor Ronnie's church, First Bab of Burleson, and this church of Calvary Church, and, and I have a lot of Catholic friends that are going to be making their way in at the 1130 uh, service. Because some of them literally go to their mass, and then they come be with us at 1130. I find it fascinating what God's doing in this local church. It's fascinating to me. But the truth is, what church you're a part of has never saved anyone. Jesus and Jesus only saves it's the local church that kind of heal, heals you and helps you develop in your faith. I need a better amen than that. You know what I'm saying? So here's where I'm at with this sermon today. When I say people, I'm talking about the church of the living God. And you and I are a part of something dynamic. The church is always known in the Bible as a people group that has separated themselves from the worldly way. It's not a denominational name. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's not a brand. It's a lifestyle. It's not a certain pastor's name. It's a lifestyle. If you're a part of the church of the living God, that means you've been blood bought by the price that was paid at Calvary's cross and that you've been set apart. You've been earmarked. You've been consecrated. You're now a part of a holier group than what the world is. You're part of the church. And the greatest ultimate fact about being a part of the church is you now realize that this is not all there is to life. I was recently at a funeral and we were, Denora was with me and we were at a funeral and the pastor kind of made a mistake in the pulpit and I've made plenty of those mistakes. I'm sure I'll be at least three or four today. It just happens when you're speaking publicly often. But this was really fun because the pastor has uh, the funeral chapel and everybody's there grieving. Everybody's there celebrating this passing of life into the next. And the pastor makes this, makes this incredible faux pas in the pulpit. He says, brothers and sisters, we all know in this place tonight, we all know that this is not the beginning for him. This is the end. And everybody was like, hey, whoa. Whoa, I want to say amen. The truth is, when you're a part of the people, known as the church, you instantly have this understanding, you have a revelation that this is just temporary. When you're a part of the people, the church, there is an eternity that you will soon enter at your death or at the rapturing or the calling away, the returning of Christ for the people, the church. There is an eternal place for us, a place where there is no more death, a place where there is no more pain, a place where there is no heartache and disappointment and troubles and challenges. I wish I had a church that would say amen this morning. I'm talking about when you're a part of the people, the church, you're actually going to enter into eternal rest with the Lord where your daily job description is to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and worship him. You talk about a good job. Sign me up. But the only way to get there is to place your faith 
in the grace of Jesus Christ. And once you're in that saving grace, you now have a job to do. It's the Great Commission. And you can't do it on your own. Acts chapter 1 tells you what you're missing in your life. If you find being a part of the church a a, a struggle for you. Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. And then we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. I'm reading this from the NLT, the New Living Translation. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift. Everybody say the gift that he's promised. And as I told you, John baptized you with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power. Power. Listen to that. Jesus, just in the Great Commission, said, I have all power under heaven and earth. But yet in Acts 1, we find the words of Christ saying, you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, here is the Great Commission in a slight different verbiage. Because you have the power, you will now be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth, Tarrant County. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. My, my little girl, Esme, turned nine this month of April, and she had some balloons. And anybody ever release those helium balloons with your kids? I think it's illegal. We do it annually. <laughs> and we, we, we release these helium balloons, and, you know, typical kids, they were like, oh, that's awesome. They're gone. Well, I'm that guy in the neighborhood that everybody thinks, I wonder what he's, what he's on. Because what's, what's, I'm in the front yard just, <laughs> poor fella, look at him. I'm just like, and they drift, and they drift, and they drift. And this is exactly what's happening. Watch, this is what the Bible says. Out of nowhere, they've stood there so long. Verse 10, they strained to see him rising into heaven. So therefore, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, men of Galilee. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, hey, everybody, this is not just something your grandma made up. This is the Bible. Someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So let's recap. We have Jesus' triumphal entry. We have his crucifixion. We have his burial. We have his resurrection. And if you know your Bible history, there's 40 days of him being seen again in a transfigured body. And then he's ascended. He leaves like a helium balloon. He leaves. But before he left, he gave him a message. He says, listen, your job from now on is to partner with me. We need to populate heaven and we need to bankrupt hell. We need to add as many people to this thing called the church as we could ever have. Because one day, I'm I'm not gone forever. I'm going to return. And when I return, I want to find what I'm leaving you in a better place than it's now. We have a small little group, but we're going to grow. And we're going to grow and we're going to grow. But I can't do it on my own, nor can you do it on your own. So we're going to partner. You're going to be the people that takes the gospel message. I will be the power in you to get it there. Everybody following me? 
This is the Great Commission. But anytime God makes you a promise, the only way the promise can be fulfilled are these two things. And everybody needs to write this down. Every promise in the word of God can only come to fruition in your life if you believe and if you obey. You have to believe it and then you have to obey the instruction. You got to believe it and you got to obey the instruction. You will not see the promises of God come into your life in its fullness without faith and without obedience. You got to believe what he's saying is true. And then you have to act on that. Your faith without works is your faith has got to be active in pursuing what he's promising. And, and Jesus promises that he'll be the power in you. And the Holy Spirit's going to equip you and it's going to empower you to be a witness. To do those underlined words. Go and teach in baptism. So here we go. Acts 1 verse 12. Here we find the obedience of the disciples and the followers of Christ birthed. The experience. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half a mile, verse 13. When they arrived, they went up to an upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Now chapter 2 of Acts, verse 1. And on the day of Pentecost, let me just take a little teaching point right here. A lot of people are confused about what Pentecost is. Pentecost is simply... The, the word for the numeric number 50, 50 days following what we've been celebrating, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. After he was resurrected for about 40 days, he was with them. And then another 10 days while the disciples were in this upstairs room praying came the 50th day, which is known as Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, so it happened quick, suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. And what looked like to be like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each and every one of them. Verse 4. And everybody there, everyone that was present, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now this next statement, you need to write it down. You need to pray over this statement. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross is and only is what makes you right with God. The only way you can become right or righteous is the righteousness of Christ. The lamb that took away your sin was slain. The death of Jesus makes you right with God. But it is this Pentecostal or this upper room or, or if you're more comfortable because I don't care how you say it if you're more comfortable with this Holy Spirit experience is what equips you to partner with Jesus in building the church because here's what this is what you need to get comfortable with everyone in this room you need to get comfortable with this when you called on the name of the Lord in your salvation you were given a jersey you are now on team Jesus you, you, you belong to something bigger than you. You're on the team. What's the team's job? The team is to build the church. Team, you're, you're, you have a job. There's a coach, and there's the team. And every play we run, every single day, the touchdown is adding people to the church. And I'm not worried about this church, and I'm not worried about First Bab and Pathway. I'm not worried about church's names. Add them to the church. 
That's our job. Nudge your neighbor real quick and say, you need to listen to this guy. He is really talking to you. He's talking to you. Now, your job's not to sing. Your job's not to preach. Your job's not to open doors. Your job's not to make coffee, although we really appreciate you. But that's not your job. Your job is to add people to the church. Serving coffee helps. Preaching helps. Singing helps. Being nice helps. Come on. Nothing worse than mean greeters and mean preachers. It's truth, man. Everybody's like, man, I kind of like you because you're like nice. I'm like, I don't ever want to meet your former preacher, man. I mean, come on. Let's just be nice. Love, kindness, gentleness. What are we doing? We're, we're expressing who? Us? No, Jesus in us. For what purpose? To add people to the church. Listen. Hey, watch this. Thank you. Here's the deal. I'm not attracted to mean people. Are you attracted to mean people? That's what I do to mean people. I cry like that. Listen, our job is to love people, everybody. Jesus makes me right with God. The Holy Spirit and the endowment, fancy word there, the transfer of his power, the, the upper room Holy Spirit baptism experience, I actually get to participate now in a, in, a, in a fueling. I get fueled up by the power that resurrected Christ. I now can fulfill the great commission. And this is the next step of this sermon. What is the great commission? My first, and my first job as a Christian is I've got to be comfortable with the letters G-O. I must go. Everyone say go. Because the gospel can't go on its own. Don't forget a couple weeks ago, the gospel was taken into Jerusalem by a donkey. The gospel will always be taken into people's hearts. It could be over a meal. It could be over a round of golf. It could be in a fishing boat. The gospel can be taken through a shopping spree, through a vacation. Through The gospel can be taken on the ball field, swinging the baseball bat, running the football. The gospel can be taken, but it's got to always come through people. And whenever you gave your heart to Jesus and you got your jersey and it got your name on it and you got your number on it, guess what? Your job is to run the ball down the field. Take the gospel wherever you go. To who? To whomever. It doesn't matter. I'm thinking about these students today, and, and we've got students spread out all the way out through this room, not just in the centers. There's students everywhere. Every single one of you that have a classmate, take the gospel to your classmate. Everybody that reports to an office every day, take the gospel to the office. Everybody that logs on social media every day, take the gospel to social media. Take it to the Target. Take it to Walmart. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. I don't know if I can. Then you need to be fueled up by the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will put the go in you to take the gospel to wherever you're going. And it's our job. 
That's what we do. He dies for us. We tell about it. I think we got the best end of the deal. I mean, if he's willing to lay his life down, I'm willing to tell others that he did it. Pretty good deal. Everybody say go. Now everybody say teach. You don't have to have a seminary degree to teach the word of God. You don't even have to own a Bible to teach the word of God. You know why? Because you and your story is a rock solid element to share. Whenever I look around this room and Pardon me, I, I won't go down the rabbit trail of calling names, but I could call so many names in this room of your conversion story. You have a conversion story that needs to be shared. I know I have a conversion story that needs to be shared. And, and your conversion story, you need to own it. If it's a deliverance from drugs, own it. If you were born into a Christian home and have never lived one single day outside of faith, own that. It doesn't, we're not trying to outdo each other with radical stories. I can tell you, it's no more radical for, for, a, for a drug user to come to know Jesus than, than it is from a fifth or sixth, seventh generation Christian to come to know Jesus. Because every single one of us, the day we took our first breath, we took it from a sinful posture. And your story is valuable. People need to know what Jesus has done in your life. Go and teach. Teach them the life-transforming story of your personal life. Baptize. You don't need to have a, a pool of water everywhere you go. What we're talking about is, 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 is very symbolic. And, of course, it's also a physical act. And, and as we just witnessed today. But it's the, it's, the, it's the going public for what's happening in your heart. I've used this illustration many times with my wedding ring. I'll take this wedding ring off. I can put it in my pocket. That does not dilute the love I have for Denora. It does not mean that I'm not married to Denora. It does not mean I care about Denora and that I'm in covenant with Denora. This is simply for me to tell everybody else where my heart's at. This is simply for me to be a part of, to be a, part of a community of people that say, you know what, we're spoken for. And every single one of you that have your heart right with God, then, then I would urge you to take the steps of water baptism and to also bring other people with you to water baptism to where you can be a part of that public example that Christ modeled for us. Can I get an amen now? Go, teach, baptize. This is probably the most important part of my sermon today for me. A lot of this sermon's not for me. It's, 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 I feel it's beneficial to you. I've of course, I can benefit from it, but this is my pastoral moment right here. When we're adding people to the church, it's not adding names to a roster. It's not adding numbers to a list. Can I just go a little, I'm going to go in on you today. I'm going to lean in on you. There, there, I pray that there's some conviction that comes upon this audience today in this 10 o'clock service. I don't need you to be a part of this church. I need you to be saved. And there's a lot of people that hang out in church that the heart's not right with God. And I'm going to stretch you right now. I'm going to really stretch you with your imagination. Imagine this physical building full of people. And I'm stretching you now, okay? So just imagine, in this building being lifted up and it goes to heaven, I can tell you not everybody in the building 
is going to remain. Well, Pastor Tommy, that's pretty dramatic, man. Well, it's the truth. And it's truth in love. I don't need you to be a part of a church. I need you to be saved and then do life in this church. Here's where I'm going with this. When you bring someone to Jesus or when you give your heart to Jesus, what you're doing is separating yourself from the world. Now, I'm going to go a little old school words for you. Consecration. Old school words for you. Holiness living. Now, I grew up in a little small country church in Louisiana. That holiness living had every single thing to do with the appearance It had everything to do with the outside, how a person looked, determined if they were holy or not. Actually, it didn't. We got it wrong. Because there was a lot of outside people that looked really sharp that were filthy on the inside. I've grown in my understanding of holiness. Holiness is not what you wear on the outside. It's what you wear on the inside. And if you're wearing the righteousness of Christ then you won't, be, you won't be getting more close to the world in your salvation. You'll be getting closer to God in your salvation to where you can make a greater impact in the world. You know, I'm really not affected or changed by people that are identical to me. I'm influenced and changed by people that are opposite of me. Just the other day, I was in a golf cart with a friend that's in this service, and a guy rolled up on us, and he had obviously been drinking really, 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 really heavily. And he had been drinking pretty rough, and he rolled up, and it was F this, and it was F that. It was F this. It was F that. I mean, if there could have been an F used, it was used very effily. I mean, it was bad. It was like, it just worked. I mean, there, there were F's used where no F could exist. He just created F opportunities. It was awful. And my buddy felt awkward sitting there with me, and he said, this is my pastor. And he said, really, man, I love the Lord. <laughs> and I about fell out of the cart. He was so drunk. He said, I go, I, I go, I go, I go over. And he mentioned the church. I said, great church, man. It's a great church. Where's my, what's my point here? My point is, don't look for your salvation at a church. Get your heart saved. And whenever you truly are madly in love with this Savior, you're going to be different than you used to be. Now, I'm fixing to be real hardcore, okay? This is going to rub some of you. But it's the Holy Spirit rubbing you, not me. If you wear this jersey... You can't take this jersey everywhere you used to go. You can't wear this jersey in the environments where, you, where Jesus found you. There's got to be a separating from the world. This is called discipleship. This is called holiness. This is called sanctification. It's consecration. You need to be earmarked. You need to be set apart. You, does it make you crazy and radical? And No, no you can still be you. But let people see the Jesus in you. Live a holy life, a separated life. Be different. Represent Christ well. And that lifestyle is what's going to be used in you and through you and ultimately for you to add people to the church. Is this making sense today? So let's take him at his word. Let's get our hearts right with God. Let's sign up to be on the team to take the gospel to places that it needs to be taken. And let's just be authentic in our faith. 
Now, I close with this. If Sam can come and help me today. I close with maybe one of the most comforting and beautiful promises of Scripture. It's the last portion of the Great Commission. And we're fixing to enter into a little ministry moment, okay? So everybody just take a deep breath and let's take off our facades. Let's take off our mask. You know, everybody comes in on Sunday with that little Sunday mask, you know. Your heart's broken. But we say, how are you? Praise the Lord. Come on. Let's take our mask off and let's be honest about it. Just because you're saved and just because you're a part of the team doesn't mean that every day is going to be a great day. And Jesus loves you enough to not just tell you where your power comes from. He loves you enough not just to tell you what play to run. Go, teach, baptize. He then says, by the way, I know. I will be with you to the ends of the world. And I want to reach into your hearts for just a moment before I pray over you. There's a lot of you in this room today that what you need desperately is the assurance that you're not alone. Your marriage seems to be broken. There's possibly teenagers in this room. Mom and dad are at odds with each other. I could get a little tender right now because I know there's students in this room that money is so tight in the family that you wonder if you're going to eat. You wonder if things are going to work out with your mom and dad. You wonder if you're going to get to stay in your house. And some of you are, you know, this might be news to you. But not everybody in this room just has it all together. There's men in this room right now that you're just hoping that this week you get to keep the job. You're hoping that a miracle happens and you get to pay all the bills. You see, Easter Sunday is the big day. And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But the Sunday after, and after that one, and after that one, and after that one, is the Sunday that other people can be resurrected also. And he says, I will be with you. And there's a lot of you that have been looking over your shoulder just wondering, is anybody here with me? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody love me? Can I just tell you today in the presence of the Holy Spirit, He loves you and He cares about you. I want you to stand quickly, quickly all over this room. If I can have a few prayer partners come. Denora, if you'll step in. Pastor Dustin, Bishop Ron, if you'll step in. I want to give an altar call today. And this altar call is specific. This is what I need from you. Is there anybody here on this Sunday morning that you just need to know that it's going to be all right? 
we've shifted gears now in this ministry opportunity. And I've scratched my itch for preaching to you to reach your friends. But I also know that in this room right now, there are those that need a touch from God. There are those in this room that you need to repent of your sins and you need to give your heart to Jesus. There are students in this room that you just, you just need to talk to the Lord for a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to begin now to put your feet into motion. I want you to start walking. I want you to, I want you to come. And these prayer partners are just going to come into agreement with you. They're going to pray over you. So as I pray, I want you to take your step. I want you to come today, and we're going to just pray over you and bless you in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Get ready to come now. In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray over my friends that are here today. Thank you for coming. God bless you. I pray over these adults and students alike, God, that are just working through some things. They're working through things. They're working through disappointments. God bless you, ma'am. They're working through letdowns and heartaches and heartbreaks. There's marriages here today, Lord, that just need to know that you're with them through it all, even into the ends of the world. God bless you, sir, as you come. May the Lord bless you. Who else will come today and let the love of God just be a blanket around you? Heavenly Father, I continue to pray for these that are in this room, Lord, that have a calling and a burden and a passion. God bless you, ma'am. We welcome you today. These that have a calling and a burden on their life, Lord, to take the gospel places. I pray over the young men and the young women of Calvary Church, especially in our student ministry, to have a fire and a power of the Holy Spirit like never before. To reach their students, to reach their classmates. I pray a special blessing, God, over moms and dads to have the power and the and have the spirit-led life, Lord, to parent well and to, to get through some difficult seasons with their children. I pray over business owners in this room, Lord, that need a strong quarter this next quarter. And I pray, God, that you would supernaturally bless them, give them insight, give them ideas, give them vision. Give them, Lord, an understanding of what needs to take place to get to that next level. I pray for every salesman, every saleswoman, every businesswoman, every female leader in this room, God, that, 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 that is leading and leading well. I pray, Lord, for a Holy Spirit understanding for them to go for it, to bless them in Jesus' name. As we're praying right now, I hope you feel how I feel. I just feel the Holy Spirit ministering. Why don't you open up your heart? Let the promise that He's with you, let it, let it be felt and sensed. Go ahead, open up your heart right now and just let the Holy Spirit tug at your heart. Let Him just minister to you in a great way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody in this service with every eye closed and head bowed that you would like to repent of your sins today? You want your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Can I lead you in a sinner's prayer? Anybody in the room right now, you just want to go all in for Jesus? God bless you, students. Anyone? Thank you, sir. I see you there. Anyone else? With that hand that's lifted, this prayer is for you. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. And I'm tired of doing it my own way. I'm ready to do it your way. Forgive me of my sins. Write my name in your book. Thank you for your saving grace in Jesus' name. Come on, Calvary. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Amen.
everybody, this, this is the Great Commission. This is what we do. We love people. We build the church. We make a difference. And we do it out of obedience and out of faith. And may the Holy Spirit be the power within us to pull it off. Everyone say, I receive the word of the Lord. Amen. No one goes home without a goodbye hug and a bless you hug. So everybody, God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night for first Wednesday, 7 o'clock, family night. Everybody show up. It's going to be a, a wonderful night. God bless you. You're dismissed.